Today it's a Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors edition of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country as we talk ducks, the Ducks Unlimited Banquet's just a week away here in Bemidji. So Scott Anderson joins us for that. We also do talk a little fishing because it's Lake of the Week Day too. It's all coming up. I won't ever understand my shorties demand when all I want to do is stick my toes in the sand. There's nothing wrong with champagne dancing and such, but the nightlife in the city don't impress me much. some trout the fishes all tremble at the thought of me when i'm f-i-s-h-double-i-n paul bunyan country this is fish and paul bunyan country slash paul bunyan country outdoors presented by northland fishing tackle Checking in today with Scott Anderson. He's the Senior Regional Director of Ducks Unlimited up in our neck of the woods. And, uh, Scott, first of all, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So ex- explain your region. I mean, Bemidji's obviously part of it, but what region do you cover? Yeah, so I cover uh, kind of northern, northwest Minnesota. Um, Bemidji's pretty close to the center. It, uh, it borders, obviously, North Dakota and Canada. And then kind of runs from High Falls down over to Grand Rapids, um, down to the Mille Lacs Lake area with Garrison and Isle, down to Little Falls, and then kind of kitty corner up to Moorhead, you know, up Highway 10 there. Okay. Well, you're coming, you're getting ready for the Bemidji uh, Ducks Unlimited Banquet, which is going to look a lot different this year. Uh, I was wondering if you were going to be able to have it at all, but it looks like you're going to be able to do a little something. Tell us about the, the COVID banquet of 2020. Yeah, certainly. It, it definitely is, is going to be different than normal. Um, you know, obviously, first off, uh, we, you know, we put a lot of consideration and discussion into whether or not we should, uh, we should host it or not. Uh, talking to some of our longtime supporters and uh, members and stuff that do come, um, as well as obviously our volunteers. And we, we did make the decision to go ahead with it. Um, it is going to be different in the sense that there's obviously capacity regulations we have to follow. Um, so we can't fit the normal people we can in that room. Typically we're around that 275. Um, this year we're looking more like, you know, 150 to 170. So it's going to be quite a bit smaller as far as who can come, which obviously helps us then social distance within, within uh, the event itself. Um, layout will be a slightly different too. We'll kind of uh, the Hampton in there where it's going to be held. is going to kind of give us some of the hallway area and lobby area of the hotel to kind of maybe spread the games out and auctions and stuff like that. So again, we can, we can social distance uh, more, you know, more safely. Um, and then, uh, you know, part of it obviously is we'll be taking all the precautions we need to just to make it safer for everyone to be there. You know, sanitizers will be out for people, um, changing up a little bit of our, our, the way we handle the meal. Usually at the buffet now it'll be served out. So there's just less contact there. Um, obviously masks will be required as long as you're not eating and drinking, just like a normal restaurant situation. Um, and of course all of our our volunteers working the event will be wearing masks and, and uh, gloves and stuff like that just to help, you know, take all the precautions we can. So, Scott, as you're, you're trying to get this thing going, who were the experts you went to, to to make sure you had all your bases covered in this regard? Right. So, I mean, basically um, the way I guess the whole national organization is handling it is, is making sure, you know, any of the CDC regulations that come out are followed. Um, but also uh, following whatever state guidelines there are. You know, for 
national organization like Ducks Unlimited, it's hard for them to set one standard that every state across the country has to follow because every state is doing their own thing as well. Um, so we basically looked at what, you know, the Minnesota State uh, Health Department is suggesting, the CDC is suggesting, um, and then, of course, working with the, the employees there at the Hampton Inn and Green Mill with what they know they have to follow and, and what regulations they need to stay within to help make sure we stay within those ones as well, too. So kind of touching on experts from, you know, mostly around the state and then just getting information locally as well, too. All right. So um, you've come up with this plan. Again, you, as you noted, uh, fewer tickets to be sold. Um, so if you really want to go to the Ducks Unlimited Bakery, you probably need to act pretty quick. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we are, we've been selling tickets now for close to a month. Um, things started out really fast and we're still getting tickets coming in, um, every day now as well, too. Um, like I said, typically we sell 275 tickets and we're sold out before we open the doors that day. Um, so when you're talking half the tickets that are available, it's very likely that there won't be tickets available at the door just like any other year. So if someone is considering, they, sh- they should try to, you know, reach out and, and get tickets as soon as possible. And it always seems like it's boom, it's here, and that's what we're looking at again. It's uh, it's just over a week away. Yeah, next uh, Thursday, September 10th, we're always that uh, second Thursday in uh, September. Um, and again, we're back at the Hampton Inn, uh, where we've been probably the last you know eight or nine years for sure. Not really sure how many we've been tracking off there, but uh, we've been there for a while. And uh, you know, like I said, different layout a little bit, but uh, be at the same location and hopefully putting on the same great banquet we always do. And you've always, yeah, you always have a great banquet with lots of uh, games and lots of competitions and amazing prizes. That's the one thing I've always noticed about the Ducks Unlimited Banquet. You get some amazing stuff that you can take home with you. Yeah, I mean, obviously we want to make sure that we, uh, we're raising money for our cause, but we try to get as many great prizes as we can um, to make sure that the people winning them are excited and happy about it. And we want to get as many prizes as we can in people's hands walking out those doors. Um, you know, the, the purpose is fundraising and raising money, so um, we're doing a great job at that. Bemidji is actually one of the top chapters in the state and was actually recognized as one of the top chapters in the nation here this past year. So um, hoping to continue that tradition and uh, support from the local community, and uh, even though it's going to be a different year, uh, we'll get through this one and get back to normal hopefully next year. And what the uh, local chapters do, basically, they 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 raise money for... Uh, some of these big national and actually international projects Ducks Unlimited works on, correct? There is, yeah. I mean, uh, like we've talked before, I mean, the challenge with working on waterfall is they move from Canada all the way down into Mexico and even in South America. So um, you can't necessarily focus all your conservation efforts in, in one state, one city, one one region, um, because that's not where the ducks are always at. And if you don't fulfill their, their needs throughout their life cycle, um, you're not going to really benefit them that much. And so, um, I mean, we do work, you know, the money that is raised in Bemidji helps do work in Canada, in New Mexico, inside Minnesota, even within the, the northern Minnesota area and even around the area in Bemidji. Um, you know, it, it touches everywhere, so it's not like it's, you know, it's not like we can tell you, you know, the, the, the $10 you spent on this raffle right here, this is exactly where it's going. But we can tell you that there's a big chunk of money that does come back to Minnesota and even in the northern Minnesota area, um, as well as all the way down into the southern United States and the Canada are up into Canada as well. And again, when the uh, habitat's good for the ducks everywhere, it it does give us a positive impact in Minnesota because, as you noted, ducks are very mobile and they're not sticking around one spot for any real long length of time. 
No. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we typically, you know, if you're looking just in the Bemidji area, we'll see them start trickling back in. You'll see geese usually in, in April, uh, but you see most of your ducks through in May into uh, July. And then now this time of year into August and September, you start seeing them move up, gather up together. Um, some of them, even during the middle of summer, will actually, after they nest, they'll fly north and stage in, a, in, in Canada. Um, they move around quite a bit. There's, there's a very small time where they're actually just kind of stationary in a, in a general area. Um, and that's basically when that time is. It's when they're, they're on their nest trying to um, incubate their eggs and then right after they hatch. And then once those ducks, ducklings become mobile on their own, they, they start to spread out right away. So does does Ducks Unlimited work primarily on uh, making public lands duck friendly, or do they purchase land uh, to turn into wetlands, or is it a combination? It's a combination. Um, we obviously uh, look at one side of existing habitat that's that's good and how we can add onto it or help restore any part of it that was degraded on that that habitat. Um, we also do uh, find people that are wanting to. Uh, you know, put their put their land in a conservation easement of some sort, like a like a CRP or a WRP that a lot of people hear about, um, or that want to sell it and they want to sell it to a conservation group. So we actually really don't hold land; like we'll buy it, and then after we restore it and manage it or restore it back to where the natural habitat is, we'll actually usually turn it over either to the state or the federal government, the Fish and Wildlife, or the DNR, basically, to then manage that land from that point on. Um, it doesn't really make sense for an organization like us to hold the land because um, that just ties up money mm-hmm. that um, we don't we, we could be spending somewhere else on another piece. So um, it's, it's a mix and almost exclusively exclusively the work we do specifically in Minnesota is all public land, either currently public land or will be public land after we are done uh, restoring it. So. It's a lot, of, a lot of benefit for, you know, Minnesotans that are out there, whether they're, you know, deer hunting, duck hunting, grouse hunting, fishing, um, bird watching, photography, whatever, that the land, the money that we raise, the land that we use to conserve and restore will probably end up be back in an opportunity for them to, to use it themselves as public property. Ducks Unlimited is the topic. Scott Anderson, my guest. The Big Banquet is coming up next Thursday here in Bemidji. We'll have more with Scott Anderson next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country slash Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. It's a Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors edition today as we talk with Scott Anderson about the upcoming Ducks Unlimited Banquet here in Bemidji. Several other Ducks Unlimited events coming up soon as well. It's presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. It's presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. We've talked about, uh, obviously, the change in the banquet due to COVID-19 and, and some of the, um, hand, you know, kind of handcuffed for some of the things you can do, uh, I'm guessing, for most of your banquets. What about the day-to-day operations of uh, Ducks Unlimited and some of the projects that you work on? Has that been affected by COVID? Um, you know, as far as conservation work, not a whole lot because uh, those people are out in the middle of a vast <laughs> open area, working in small numbers, usually in equipment or on the ground with surveying equipment. Um, they pretty much social distance for their job anyways. Um, as far as, you know, the fundraising and volunteer side, it's changed a little bit. You know, things have moved more towards, you know, some of those virtual meetings like in Zoom um, or, you know, maybe we're having like for in the beginning time, we were kind of having to host meetings at people's houses versus, you know, maybe a bar or restaurant because they weren't necessarily open or there was restrictions from getting into them. Um, but, you know, we found a way through it. I mean, you know, the people that the best part about Ducks Unlimited is, 
the ones hosting and putting on the bank with their volunteers and they're passionate about it. And so they want to find, they wanted to find ways to make it work and, and they did it and we're making it work and it'll be different for, for this time. And hopefully, you know, soon it won't be again, but uh, for at least this fall and the next month or so, it'll be a little bit different than what most people are used to. Okay. Well, in addition to the big uh, Bemidji event, uh, what else is going on uh, this fall for Ducks Unlimited? Um, in the general area, there'll be, uh, there'll be a little event down in Walker. Um, again, that'll be different than normal. They're actually not really hosting the, the gathering banquet that, that most people are familiar with, or even like Bemidji is doing this year. Uh, it's more of an option for people to uh, buy into raffles and stuff like that, um, renew their memberships and sponsorships. And then uh, the drawing is taking place in a public location that they could, uh, the raffles they can buy into. Um, but there's not necessarily a meal served, and they're not required to be there to win. So it kind of gives those people that maybe want to participate and support an option to still do that without having to put um, themselves into a social gathering situation they might not want to be into. Okay. And when's that, or is, I suppose that's kind of an ongoing effort? No, that's that's going on. Well, it started now, but it is uh, the, the culmination of it, the whatever you want to call it, the quote-unquote event that they're doing the drawing at uh, is September uh, 24th, which is a Thursday, so two weeks after the Bemidji one here. Okay. And that's taking place down at uh, Trapper's Landing, um, down on uh, the south end of Leech Lake. Okay. What about the, some of the other chapters? Uh, are they having to make adjustments for what they typically do? Yeah. Yep. And it all depends on the location where they're at. You know, the the smaller the smaller cities that have limited venue opportunities, uh, they're having a tougher time. So, like uh, the chapter up that's up in Big Falls, Minnesota, there's not a whole lot of uh, venues for them to host. So they're still trying to work through the details of what they can do there. Um, of course, outside's always an option, but you know. In September and October, that's always questionable what kind of weather you're going to get. Um, you know, uh, Bemidji State's looking at planning something, too, but they're restricted, too, with what facilities they can move into and what they can do as a, a university organization. Um, so a lot of it's still trying to feel out what's going on and uh, trying to figure out the best options and what we really have that we can do out there. Oh, yeah. It's been a, a year of figuring things out, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. Um. You know, the, the interesting thing about Ducks Unlimited, uh, it, to me, that it always surprises me, uh, and I guess it shouldn't at this point, but uh, just how powerful and how uh, popular Ducks and Ducks hunting seems to be here because of the strength of this chapter. You know, you it's kind of like, you know, in fishing, we think everybody goes walleye fishing. Well, we find out if you spend any time doing interviews that, no, there's a lot of people that do bass fishing and, and different kinds of fishing. And then when it comes to hunting, we think deer hunting here. But, boy, obviously there's a lot of waterfall hunters in our neck of the woods there is it's uh it's pretty crazy how many people you will run into during that duck season out at boat landings coming in and coming out um and obviously with the university here that that drops jumps the number up quite a bit too there's a lot of uh young students that are really into waterfall hunting um and they they'll, they'll put in some of the, the hardest effort out of anybody to get out there and and be successful with it and enjoy it so um you know minnesota has always been one of the top um license sales or stamp sales because when you duck on you have to buy a stamp um that helps go back support habitat um so minnesota's always been one of the top in the nation uh for the number of people that are buying those licenses and buying those stamps um and the further north you get especially in this bemidji area it seems like it's, it's stronger here than than a lot of places and it, it's great to see um especially when you you talk about uh you know different whether it's fishing hunting all those license sales throughout the state they, they talk about them declining um, you know, waterfall hunting has kind of been holding steady. Uh, some years it goes up a little, some years it might drop a little, but 
um, it's, it's good to see that young group of people really getting into like at, that, that are coming out of the universities and just seeing more people get involved in general as well. One of the things we saw this spring with pretty much everything canceled and through much of the summer, not the typical things going on, not going on, license sales went way up for fishing and particularly youth license sales. And I'm real curious to see, uh, you know, we got no football, we got no volleyball and uh, a limited number of other things. I'm curious to see if we see hunting licenses go way up this fall. It'd be great to see. And I, I, I'm kind of thinking that there's a chance that might happen. And, um, I guess if you're going to pull anything positive out of this this whole situation, that's definitely one you can. And it's it's simply just, I mean, getting people outdoors more and engaged with, you know, a tradition and heritage that, you know, extends way back in families uh, in Minnesota, um, which is why, again, Minnesota is, you know, typically a very strong uh, waterfall hunting state is, is just because of the history that was there. And people had excuses maybe not to get out and do it before and with limited opportunities now just to do anything out in the public setting, uh, you know, maybe getting back into hunting like they were getting into fishing this summer is, is a thing. And, you know, whether it's waterfall hunting or deer hunting or grouse hunting or pheasant hunting, it's, it's going to be great to see if that, that number increases because it's, 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 it's a fun thing to be a part of. And it's, it's a lot of great memories and stories that come out of stuff uh, in hunting. Looking at the overall picture of duck hunting, and again, uh, we, we know it's a big picture that involves a lot of cooperation population wise uh is the duck are the duck numbers good in north america as far as we can tell um they are now it, this year is a little bit different and a lot of the surveys that they did uh were not done simply because those are done in the early spring when this was kind of the covid stuff was right in the heart of it and a lot of the state and federal agencies kind of decided that one for a cost savings um, they need to probably consider not doing them or and also just putting the individuals that do them into a, a situation they weren't sure of yet um, with uh, with COVID. So there was a lot of surveys that didn't happen. So the, the data this year is very minimal. Um, the little that did come in, though, does look positive. Conditions were pretty good through most of the breeding range for waterfowl. Um, so it's kind of a up in the air right now what, it, what it's going to look like because we just don't have that solid information that we typically get. Uh, from across the country and the, and the continent when the surveys happen. Well, before we wrap it up, I suppose we should find out how to get those tickets. Uh, if we want to go to the Ducks Unlimited Banquet and help DU, uh, what do we do? Yeah, so um, one easy way that seems more and more popular every year is obviously going online. And uh, anyone can just go to ducks.org slash Minnesota, and, uh, or even just ducks.org, and you'll be able to find the local events. And you just find the Bemidji link, and it'll take you right to where you can buy online. Um, if somebody uh, doesn't want to do that and wants to touch base with someone in person, that's fine too. And they can uh, reach out to myself, um, Scott Anderson, obviously. And my number is 218-330-2236. And then, of course, if anyone listening happens to want to come and know someone that's on the, the volunteer committee here or can get in contact with them, they can do that as well too. Okay. Well, it's a hotter ticket than ever because there's few of them. It is the upcoming Ducks Unlimited Banquet. It'll be Thursday, September 10th, and it'll be at the Hampton Inn. And again, uh, what's the website? Uh, Ducks.org will get you there. You just got to do a little digging. Uh, You can go to the Minnesota page, so you can go to Ducks.org slash Minnesota. Scott Anderson is the Senior Regional Director of Ducks Unlimited. Joining us today, Scott, as always, thanks for taking some time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it as well. Fish and Paul Bunyan Country is presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, holy cow.
It's Lake of the Weekday. We're checking in with Andy Thompson, the Acting Area Fishery Supervisor out of the uh, Bemidji office. And today's Lake of the Week is uh, Big Lake. And, and Andy, this is a... It lives up to its name. It's about 3,600 acres. It's not like a lot of Lake of the Weeks that we do, which are just lakes that are very small, kind of hidden away, that a lot of people haven't heard of. Most people have heard of Big, but at, even with that, uh, we don't hear a lot of anglers in our various interviews over the years talk a lot about it. Uh, it is, however, a really, really good lake of a lot that has great populations of pretty much everything we like to fish for up here. Yeah, it really is a, a really great multi-species lake, and it has a, a great diversity of, of habitats and areas to fish, you know, small sheltered bays, shallow weedy areas, and deeper water, big sand flats, rocky humps, um, steep breaks. It's got everything, really. One of the things I hear a lot about Big Lake is musky fishing. Um, usually it shows up in in both uh, the Bemidji uh, uh, um, Muskies Inc. Tournament and the Frank Schneider at the end of the year. Usually you're going to find a few big muskies coming off uh, Big Lake. It's uh, It's got a lot of them in there. Yeah, it's got a nice population of muskies. Uh, we maintain that population with annual fingerling stocking. Uh, We've we've kind of backed off on the numbers that were being stocked, but in exchange we went to annual stocking, and that seems to be working pretty well. We we've seen uh, some some good uh, juvenile numbers of juvenile muskies just in the last couple of years, and in some of our work out there. Okay, also got a good population of bass. Uh, I know from firsthand knowledge. Uh, at least in one of the bays, uh, there's some great bluegill fishing as well and crappie fishing. So um, just just some really good opportunities. Yeah, that's right. And uh, speaking of bluegills, uh, we are going to be proposing that one this summer uh, for uh, a reduced bag limit on bluegills because it does have a quality bluegill population that we're interested in, in protecting and, and sustaining that population into the future. Um, what what are some of the things about Big Lake that make it so uh, so successful for all these various species? I think it's just a just the great quality habitat, good water quality, and the diversity of habitat. Um, you know, there there's so many points and bays and and islands, and you know, it just results in in, in if. Compared to just a perfectly round lake of the same size, you know, it, it just has so much so, so much more habitat for species, different species to um, take advantage of. And certainly, the walleyes do fine in that lake too. They do. We've uh, we've got a long history of walleye management out there, uh, from periods of stocking uh, fry, stocking fingerlings, not stocking. Uh, we've learned a lot over the years, and, and we kind of have settled in now for about the last uh, almost 20 years of annual fry stocking, which has been working pretty well. This is a lake that I think if it were in other parts of the nation, it would be the lake, you know, the lake for that area. It kind of gets lost in the shuffle when it's sitting there near Bemidji, Cass, Winnie, Leach, uh, Reds a little bit further to the north, of course. But when, when it's surrounded by so many of these uh, these other great lakes, I think a lot of people forget about Big. Uh, I know it does get pressure, certainly, but it just kind of slides under the radar of a lot of people, and it is just a tremendous fishery. 
Yeah, and, and really a, a pretty area to be as well. And it does have quite a quite a bit of public land surrounding it, which has kind of, you know, protected it and helped helped hide it a little bit as well. It's very lightly developed. That, that's that's another thing that's great about that lake. Yeah, I mean, there's does it get a lot of traffic? Uh, does it get a lot of pressure fishing wise? Well, it gets more and more all the time. It seems like um, I know the. Uh, Winter angling has, in the last uh, 10 or 15 years, has really increased out there uh, to the point where we've we've developed some concerns about some of the panfish, uh, the sunfish in particular. Um, so it it does get its share of angling, um, pretty much all spring, summer, and fall as well. Whether it's musky anglers, bass anglers, walleye anglers, you know, they're all kind of sometimes out there at the same time, even. Any any concerns about anything on that lake right now? I think just the sunfish. Uh, it's you know it's got some really nice sunfish, and we'd like to like to make sure that uh, we can keep it that way, and, and pr- we're going to propose that for the a five fish limit um, to be hopefully hopefully if we uh, if we have good public uh, input on that, and uh, we'll we'll get it in place for next year. That is uh, is so interesting with with the bluegills in particular. How you know close and how careful you have to be. Uh, you can have a really good fishery and then just a a little bit of a tipping point and and it's all of a sudden empty. Yeah, and you know we've even seen that population cycle a little bit the last ten or fifteen years of where there'd be some nice fish there and then you know. Then they're not there, and then they're there again. So that's kind of the first sign that you know they're they're sustaining some harvest. Have the is there a lot of bass angling done out there? I I think there's some uh, more all the time. I I don't see a lot of bass anglers when I'm out there, but uh, I know there there've been some. You know, we're getting more um, interest in in some of the clubs and uh you know local tournaments things like that i know they've they've been out there a little bit now in the last couple of years you know it's one of those lakes that uh you know is once you get past the uh, the bass opener you know you're into early june you go out there and you can go for walleyes and if they slow down and i'll you know find the right bay and go for bass and then like we say the panfish um you could stay busy on that lake all day you just have to maybe be a little diverse yeah, absolutely. Bring your bring your light rods and your bass rods and your walleye gear, and you you could easily keep keep occupied out there. So, Andy, I, uh, you were out uh, surveying it last summer. What did you find? Well, we had pretty good catch rate of of most of the different species that we were looking for. Our walleye catch was down a little bit compared to previous years, but it still looks to be in good shape. We had numerous year classes and especially some good good year classes of younger fish that are going to be there you know coming up and entering the fishery soon what about ais what's the situation for for that well currently uh there are no it's not listed as infested for any any of the species yet uh it's very close to some other lakes with notably the cast lake chain is is got zebra mussels which is it's actually connected to uh, the cast chain. Uh, the outlet uh, of Big Lake flows into Andrusia, but because that outlet is not navigable, um, it wasn't listed for zebra mussels. Otherwise, it it would have been as you know 
boat traffic would have just naturally brought them up there. But since since that doesn't happen, it's uh, it's still invasive free. All right. So again, underscoring when you bring your boat, make sure it's clean before you enter Big Lake. Yep, that's right. There's a few places you can get on the lake. I, I know that you know there's a couple of resorts and stuff, but uh, is there only just one um, public access for that lake? There's really only one where you could launch a boat in the you know in the summer. Okay. Um, just off of the the east side, off of uh, Mission Road. Okay. So, and I'm not familiar where Mission Road is actually. Yeah, um, from, uh, well, from Bemidji, you uh, head out east on County Road 12, about 13 miles, and then you'll come to Mission Road and turn north there, and then it's just about two mo- two miles, you'll see a, it's a U.S. Forest Service access on the, on the left. Okay. And again, yeah, lots of, lots of forest land out there and, um, just a, just a great lake to do a few, a lot of different uh, types of fishing. Uh, and, and it's nice and roomy too. That's the other thing. It's, it's a big lake. It's what, 30, what did they say? 3,600 acres or so. So, yep. uh, plenty of room. Yep. With, with different bays and some islands. So you can, you can get lost out there and there can be a lot of people out there fishing and you, you really uh, no need to worry about social distancing on that lake. Right. It's built in. <laughs> Andy Thompson is the Acting Areas Fishery Supervisor. Our Lake of the Week is Big Lake. Andy, thanks for the info today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now we're going fishing. <laughs> <laughs>